This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist-recommended facial moisturizer brand. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Malika Basu. In this episode, we have a doctor in the house. I'm speaking to Dr. Rupi Ojla. Hello, Rupi. Hello. (laughs) Now, please tell us who you are and uh, tell us how you got into cooking. Sure, sure. So, I'm Rupi. Uh, I've been a medical doctor for about 14 years. And I love food. I've always been a foodie. Me and my family uh, have been always exploring different cuisines in the kitchen, mainly because of my mum. I grew up in an Indian household. So obviously, Punjabi cuisine was like a big, big feature of that. Um, but, you know, she was really experimental. We always had like the Food Channel on in our house. We'd always be like making whatever we saw on the TV. So I've always had that sort of, that that instinct of like, exploring different cuisines and and from what we had in our kitchen table. But it wasn't until I got ill, actually, when I was a junior doctor back in 2009, that I started looking at food through not just the lens of delicious food, but also health-promoting food as well. And so after I ended up reversing my, my own condition, I did a deep dive into the research. I looked into nutritional medicine. And uh, I started having more open, honest conversations with my patients about how they can eat to improve their well-being. And then the sort of seeds of the doctor's kitchen were sown then, and uh, the rest is sort of history. Well, that sounds really good, because fundamentally, eating well also involves enjoying what you eat, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And I'm delighted to hear that you're an Indian mummy's boy, obviously. <laughs> 
you know, from one Indian <laughs> to another. Um, but tell me more about the sort of food you ate growing up, because your mum sounds like, and I have met her, I have to admit, yeah, yeah. but she sounds like a really interesting personality and character. And was there something about her health and her approach as well that inspired you? Yeah, uh, actually, when I was 11, she uh, used to suffer from random anaphylaxis uh, attacks. So anaphylaxis is the worst form of allergy where your blood pressure can drop and, and you can pass out. It can be fatal. And she went on her own sort of health journey where uh, she went through a whole bunch of different medics. She saw immunologists. She completely overhauled her diet. And I watched her grow stronger and more confident through these lifestyle changes that she was making. In fact, I would say that's probably what prompted me to even consider medicine as a career. Well, of course, you did the good Indian thing. Yeah, of getting yeah. A proper, you know, a proper professional career. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, exactly. Medicine is like the holy grail. Yeah, yeah. It's the holy grail for like most Indian households. Yes. But the funny thing is, um, my my mum and dad, like they, they none, none of our sort of family uh, have any sort of medics in the, in the sort of, um, in, along our family history. And both my parents were sort of against me going to medicine. They're both in business. My mom has done like a whole plethora of different jobs. And she was like, medicine is really tough, you know, and you can't earn as much money as you think. And you really got to be passionate about the subject if you really want to go into it. So they were actually pushing me off that track. I've, I've just fallen off my chair. I know, Sorry, I know, I'm right? <laughs> lost you. What on earth is going on? Aren't yeah. yeah, exactly. So for listeners, like, you know, the Holy Grail, like you just say, it goes doctor and then lawyer, accountant, engineer, something in that order. But definitely doctors like we're on the top, top. right? Yeah, the top. Yeah. So my, my parents uh, kind of bucked the trend. But in terms of the food. The food, yes. Tell me about food. that. Back down to food <laughs> instead of the hierarchy of jobs that will please our parents most. But um, uh, in terms of the food, uh, we would have traditional Punjabi fare. So dal makhani, would have uh, makhi roti, sarg, cauliflower, gobi, stuffed prata, all that kind of stuff. We would definitely have that on a weekly You have basis. to break some of that down because oh, yeah, there's yeah. so much goodness. Sarsoka sarg, of course, is mustard greens. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there's a lot of good stuff built into that. Yeah, there is. There? When you look at the, like, the structure and the way you cook things and like essentially very basic foods, they're really healthy elements in it, right? There's rich sources of iron. You have whole grains. You have largely pulses. And you look at it through the lens of science today and you're like, okay, well, that's fantastic for your gut microbiota, the population of microbes that live largely in our, in our large intestine, absolutely inseparable from health. It helps us digest nutrients. It helps us balance inflammation. It helps uh, maintain sugar balance, like all these different things. That's fantastic for that. You've got largely plants and a diversity of all different colored plants. Those have polyphenols. We know that is important for our immune system. And then you also have whole grains that we know are like the elixir of life when it comes to longevity. Um, it's got those B vitamins in. It's got all those rich fibers that we know are not just good for our gut microbiota. They're all good for weight maintenance as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's, when I look back at the kind of food that we were introduced to as as kids, I'm like, this is the food that we should be really promoting as much as possible. And so, yeah, watching mum 
pick out that I don't know if we still have to do this these days but you know when you've got those lentils raw lentils and you yes. put them on a, on a silver platter and then you would spend like the Sunday Saturday morning picking out like the hard lentils that hadn't you know been the grit the and grit yes, exactly yes. yeah I get my children to do stuff like that <laughs> there's no grit picking for me sorry <laughs> you're putting them to good work I tell you because that was my job as well I would See? do that it was great it was great fun it was like when you found one it's like you found like you know the special coin it was like right. you know, some people had Pokemon sets when you get like a gold card or something we found grit in you the dark. that's it you were a total mug we didn't even realize we were being made mugs off you see <laughs> oh my mum would be mortified um, but yeah so all that kind of stuff and then like you know yellow dal mung dal um, all the different spice mixes it, it's, it was just fantastic the smell of the kitchen you know I, it just evokes a lot of memories for me but you know what we had American style food we had Italian mum would cook pasta mum, mum was a really uh, explorative chef. She still is. Like, you know, she'll still make like a, a, a chicken and red wine on a Sunday. Um, although all the time we were always like, ah, can we just have like some pratas? Some pratas? Yeah, and day <laughs> And yogurt. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. So tell me more about your favorite dish. What do you love cooking? Because I have to say the, the flavor and the aromas and all of that stuff you talk about, it comes through very, very much in all your cookbooks, yeah. you know, working with flavor. So do you have a favorite dish and what is it? It's really tough because when I go through my roster of recipes, and things that I love to eat. It changes season by season, right? But there are a few things that I absolutely love. And right now I'm going through a bit of a broth season. So the Ayurvedic Jewish penicillin that I've put in, in this book is something that we're having like on a weekly basis right now. And the reason why I called it Ayurvedic Jewish penicillin, I had lots of like raised eyebrows when I put that um, in the book. My eyebrows are very Yeah, raised. yeah, exactly. I yeah, don't know yeah. if you can see my eyebrows right now. <laughs> they've, they've shot up to the top of my scalp. <laughs> Tell me more. So so Jewish penicillin, I, I, it goes back to this time when um, I, uh, I cooked with a rabbi with Sheila Dillon at her house for a Radio 4 program about four years ago. It was really random. And the whole theme of that particular program was all about comfort food. And the rabbi was cooking Jewish penicillin, which is a chicken soup. Everyone kind of knows that within the Jewish community, this sort of dish that's been passed down from generation to generation is sort of meant to have these healing, comforting, you know, uh, evocative sort of pleasures when you when you make it and when you when you eat it. It's a nourishing soup that you give to people when they're not feeling great or they need to pick me up. And it's basically chicken soup with a you know, celery or onion. There's variations on it, but it's it's fairly similar. An Ayurvedic broth that mum would make for us would be really punchy, have lots of spices, it'd have black peppercorn in it, ginger, garlic, all those things that you sort of associate with like a, a healing, nourishing broth from, from India or the Asian subcontinent. And so when I, when I thought about combining the two, it was sort of like a nice match because you've got all those delicious sort of fats in your in your chicken broth but you're combining it with these spices that evoke a lot of memories for me in my household and uh, I just made the two together and added a bit of greens into it and that for me every time I taste it especially the next day when the flavors have had time mm. to infuse oh man it's like you know it's just health in a bowl and and I'm glad you picked up on the flavor aspect because I think a lot of people assign 
blandness and tastelessness to healthy food. And I think particularly as we're hardwired to love food, flavor and dialing into how pleasure is a very important part of making habits automatic and making sure that they stick is really important to the, the way we describe healthy eating. It's so true. Yeah. So true. So when when mo- when I say, oh, I'm a healthy cook or I'm a healthy home cook, you know, people just think kale salads or they'll think, you know, lettuce or Don't ever serve me lettuce and uh, kale no, no. salad <laughs> when I come over, please. But when I, if I was to do something, I would describe it that gives a lot more sort of warmth and depth to the dish that I'm definitely going to be injecting flavor into, right? So there are studies um, in behavioral psychology where just the descriptors of the food, not changing the food itself, but just the descriptors of the food created a subjective experience that was a lot more heightened. It was a lot better when it was described by its, its taste attributes rather than health attributes. So if I was to describe something as low calorie or improving your cholesterol, that's less likely to be an enjoyable experience for you than if I described it according to the fact that it had mustard seed and it had fennel seed, it had cumin seeds, all these different things, and I've toasted them to bring up those aromas. That's going to make more of a habit that you're going to rep- repeat more so than if I described it by its other attributes. That we, you know. That's so interesting, isn't it? So this idea of you eat food with your eyes, with your nose, even listening yeah. to it, listening about the food, yeah. and, you know, before you even take a bite, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, the way we're describing food right now is creating anticipation in our listeners' ears. And so all the stimuli that you just talked about, your eyes, your ears, your nose, those all coalesce mm-hmm. to concentrate in uh, the pleasure centers of our brain. So the, the frontal medial orbital cortex. So this is the pleasure center. And when you have heightened anticipation, it increases the likelihood that you're you're going to enjoy that meal and you're going to want to do that again. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. How interesting. Is this why I'm very hungry right now, by yeah, the way? Is yeah, that probably. What's, is that what's happening? Most likely, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Big food, I know we like to say big food in, uh, uh, in quotation marks, but they understand this, which is why when you look at a, a, an advert for like a, a crispy chicken or, you know, an indulgent a mud cake, let's say, and I love both those things, they're great, but they are really tapping into those pleasures. They, they, they know exactly what buttons to push in our brains such that we want to that. We we want to have that food. We desire that food. Mm-hmm. And I think if we are to create a culture where we appreciate the, the health benefits of food, as well as the, you know, eating more whole unprocessed food, yes. we need to use that playbook as well because it works. I think it does. And, you know, surely that's what food is all about. And you can deliver the behavior change you're talking about, right? So this broth. Let's mm. talk about this broth for a second. Yeah. I love a good broth. Yeah. I actually make them in a pressure cooker. Okay. Auntie would appreciate my Bad. relic of a pressure cooker. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you have it with? Like how would you so obviously some greens would be lovely. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of kimchi. So talk talk us through what maybe that could go with. Could you add some noodles? I don't know. I, what would you do? So there's lots of different ways in which you can use this broth. With the recipe that I put in, I actually use rice to sort of bulk it up. But you can use things like short 
whole grain brown rice. You could also use some vermicelli noodles, uh, some thin noodles, glass noodles. Even udon actually would work very well. I know it's a bit of a mishmash of all these different cuisines now that we're using, but I think that if would work If you don't call really it well. Korean or Japanese, that's fine <laughs> by me. I yeah, think yeah. Jewish penicillin has pushed the boat yeah, yeah. far enough. <laughs> that's enough now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid of the two. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, like that collection of um of the of the broth and something to like sort of make it go a bit further with a bit of carbohydrates, I think would be a, a good addition. To be honest, I literally just have it in my bowl and I just slurp it. And I'll Ooh. have like something like that, you know, a couple of times a day, particularly if I'm feeling poorly. Um, the other ways in which you could annotate this is actually by taking the chicken out. So if you're cooking for someone who is vegetarian, um, I would just take the the chicken out and I would use a little bit more of um, a veg stock just to add some of the depth of flavor that you're you're missing. Do you have a variation? Loads that of can... substitutes. Okay, yeah, perfect. That's yeah, useful. Yeah. But I mean, I'm largely plant-based. I describe my food as plant-focused or plant-centric. Nice. That's sort of in line with uh, how I like to eat but also what the research also says to us about what are the sort of dietary patterns that align best with longevity, with cardiovascular health, with brain health, mental well-being. Those, that's why load, most of my, my recipes are plant-based. We do definitely have some meat and fish in there, but always having substitutes. Well, that's quite handy because so much of, you know, there's so many different dietary preferences yeah. that one navigates. I mean, one of my children is lactose intolerant, the other is a pescatarian. I can't wait for them to leave home if I'm honest with you, but, you know, <laughs> things a few more years to Are they ever going to come on the podcast? No, I hope they're not listening either, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Um, and then the other thing, sorry, now all the practical questions are kicking in. Okay. Freezable, obviously. One yeah. can make the broth and put it away. You can, and yeah, yes. yeah. Absolutely, you can freeze it. You can, I would use like a, a Pyrex um, sort of, oh, not lots of other brands are available, but just one that is airtight that you can put in the freezer. Obviously, because it's a broth, you don't want it to like, you know, tip out and yes, you just yes, got to be yes, careful all that good. kind of stuff and that it's cool. Um, it's definitely something that you could make ahead. So you could make a, a you could almost separate out the elements. You can make the broth and then if you want to add greens fresh throughout the week, you can just throw them in, warm up the broth and then throw in different greens Put throughout the week fresh. as well. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. What about the spices that go in it? Because spices, of course, have untold like health properties Absolutely. and they feature a lot yeah. in your recipes as well. What do you put in this particular broth? Yeah, cumin seeds, black peppercorns, uh, we have coriander seeds as well, um, clove. Um, I've used a selection of different spices that are quite high on what we call the ORAC scale. So that's, that's the, what's that then? That's yeah. interesting. So there's a there's an antioxidant scale for all foods really, and actually scoring highest are cloves, cinnamon, and sumac. Uh, so sumac is that, that deep red uh, uh, powder that you find quite often in recipes from the Levantine region um, from the Rus uh, berry. And it has that real sort of sour tang. And actually, when you look at those particular ingredients and you just envisage the flavor of them, they're very strongly flavored. They're very aromatic. They, they take over your entire mouth. You use too many cloves, it can completely overpower your dish. And the same thing with cinnamon and sumac. And they're very high in the Orex score. So we're, we're trying to pack in as many different antioxidants and flavor into this broth as, as possible. So there's, there's cloves, there's black peppercorns, all those different elements as well. But you know what? Things are very interchangeable. So just from that collection of spices, let's say you 
were on a budget, or let's say you just didn't have those ingredients in your store cupboard, use some garam masala. It's absolutely fine. You know, I use cheats and little hacks like that all the time just to inject flavor into my cooking without necessarily having to find all the different spices specific for that particular recipe. So I think, you know, being a bit more confident and a bit cavalier with the recipes and bending the rules a bit is something I encourage everyone to do. You said it's music to any busy home cook's ears, yeah. to be honest. You don't want to be too prescriptive, even though you're a doctor. <laughs> you don't want to be too prescriptive. You see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, so you you did that. Yeah, 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 very good. Very good. <laughs> the, um, uh, the other thing I was going to ask is fermented foods uh-huh. feature quite prominently yeah. and kimchi. Do you make your own kimchi? Should we all be making kimchi and fermenting foods? I think we should. I don't right now because I don't have space in my kitchen, but I'm I'm soon to be starting a studio where I'm going to have a lot of space and have all my pots and pans and spices and all the rest of it. And we should absolutely be trying to make fermented foods ourselves because they are cheap and they are an absolute window into better gut health. So there were some recent studies actually looking at the addition of high fiber foods and fermented foods to one's diet. And they found that whilst both can actually be beneficial, the fermented foods appear to have an even heightened effect when it comes to improving the diversity and uh, the population of microbes that live naturally in our, in our large intestine. So having some sorts of fermented foods, it could be kimchi, it could be sauerkraut, it could be kef- kefir, mm-hmm. you can have water kefir if you're vegetarian. I brew my vegan. own, yeah, I brew, brew my own, own water yeah. kefir. Do you share like the... Um, I do share the, yes, oh, I give them go. out to the mums in the neighborhood actually. There you go, wow, you're a very popular neighbor, I'm sure. <laughs> they love me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would 100% encourage people to do that. And it's very simple. You know, you just add uh, your starter, your uh, uh, different uh, vegetable ingredients. If you're making kimchi, you know, the traditional way, I believe, is with fermented fish. Um, But if you're doing it from a vegetarian or vegan perspective, you can just add the chili gochujang paste, as long as that's a vegetarian one. Uh, And then the the rest of your water and just leave it. You literally just leave it there. Um, I need to get into it myself. My mum and dad are really into it. They make their own pickles all the time. Mm, I do Indian pickles too, but it is okay to buy it, isn't it? It is yeah, okay to yeah. buy nice quality kimchi. Absolutely, and, you know. yeah. A good telltale sign um, for a good version is um, go for the ones in the fridge. Those tend to have the better quality ones. And then when you open it, you should hear a pop. And that's indicative of the live microbes that are creating bubbles as they're sitting there. So every time you shoot, you close it, you put it into the fridge or whatever, you take it out, it should pop because those those microbes are actually creating gas. Um, and that's, in, yeah, that's definitely something I would, I would have. I mean, today I'll give you an example. I had some um, toast, uh, some uh, scrambled eggs. Uh, some tomatoes and a side of kimchi that was, that, and some walnuts. I just I always add quality fats to to whatever I'm eating. And that's literally what I have for breakfast. I My breakfasts are like not really recipes unless I'm on the weekend because I'm usually in a rush. And so sometimes it's like a smorgasbord of elements that I know are healthy and delicious and kind of work together. So, yeah. Uh, that's a top doctor's tip right yeah. there. So now we're going to do a bit of a rapid-fire question round. Oh, okay, okay. You ready for this? Uh, sort of. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant to sound threatening, you know. Um, what is your most well-thumbed cookery book? Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, I'd probably say Flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's probably come up so many times. Um, your Tam's books are, are great. You know, he's got a fantastic team around him. 
I always find myself making the, I think it's the Zatar Noki. Uh, I've made that so that many times. so good. Yeah, or maybe that's from Simple. Maybe that's what I can't remember. Simple and Flavor are, are two of my favorite books for sure. But Sounds yeah. great. Yeah, what sorry. Music, rapid fire, isn't that's it? A rapid, it's a rapid fire. You're not allowed to sit there <laughs> and think for too long. What music do you cook to? Oh, techno. Good man. Good <laughs> Listen man. to techno music. I knew yeah. I liked you. A great cheap eats restaurant or a pub or a market that oh, you really love. Do you want a Belpuri? For sure. Yes, Drummond Street. No way. The so lunchtime good. buffet? Yeah, the lunchtime so buffet is amazing. I've been there with one of my professors of urology. And um, uh, fun fact, this is where my mum and dad had like one of their first dates. Really? Yeah. Has it good, been going for that long? Yeah, I mean, it's going to go for that long, yeah. Gosh, I remember when their buffet used to be £6.99. Really? Eat as much as you want. I am literally that old, yes. What? <laughs> but it is now double. Well, you don't that. look it. That's the thank most you, important you, thing. You. I'm cooking all the recipes from your book, yeah, yeah. obviously. So. Um, what about something that is always in your fridge? I might know the answer to some of this. Yeah. But what can we find in your fridge? Usually kimchi. Um, you'll usually find uh, lemons, actually, because my, my wife is uh, Italian. So we've always got some lemons around. And what else do we would have? Some sort of cheese. There's usually some sort of aged cheese going on. You know, one, one of my favorites, um, we always have Parmesan. We have to have Parmesan. My, my wife eats way too much of it. Um, and <laughs> She sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. I yeah. love a cheese lover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we definitely have Parmesan. And I'm just trying to think. Um, it, I mean, it's going to sound so typical, but like Cavallonero, Always, oh, always have cover. I knew a green I know. was gonna. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Right, so Sorry. on brand. I know. So yeah, brand. yeah, yeah. Excellent. I once got described as um, uh, purple sprout and broccoli. I I took it as a massive compliment. I thought. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, confessions. What is the biggest cooking disaster that you've ever had? Oh yeah, I remember when I was doing my first book. I tried a take on tofu a l'orange, which is basically like a duck a l'orange. I was like, I wonder if we could do this with tofu, and it just went horribly wrong. The tofu was like, it didn't have any crust on it. It was like all gloopy. I think I was using a, a soft one instead of a firm one. The alarange had like way too many spices in. It was like overpowered by clove. I think it was clove. I remember having this like real like deep flavor of clove. I was like, this is way too strong. It just, it was a it's horrible mess. It's almost metallic, mess. isn't it? Yeah, Cloves yeah. It's really metallic in the mouth yeah. when you go wild with them. That Very sounds horrible, so. by the way. Yeah. I hope that recipe never made, no, 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 uh, made it into uh, yes, <laughs> <No>. existence. Uh, <laughs> any food you've never actually tried? Natto. So natto is a really interesting Japanese ingredient. Um, it's very high in vitamin K2, which is something that we don't find in like um, general ingredients. It's usually found in organ meats. So even though like dark green leafy vegetables have got lots of vitamin K1, it doesn't have K2. And K2 is very, very important for calcium mm. uh, homeostasis. Fun fact. Natto apparently is like a fermented uh, bean, like a soybean, similar to like tempeh, but like it, apparently, it tastes like socks, like old socks. It's meant to taste terrible, but lots of Japanese people eat it for its health benefits. It sounds well, fascinating. Yeah. If that's a good way to keep us posted, will you? Will uh, you yeah. I, I mean, if anyone knows any good natto places, I really want to try it. I just want to know whether it actually tastes like old socks. <laughs> you are a very strange man, Dr. Rupi Ojla. Um, guilty pleasures. You can't be that good. Come on. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not that good. I mean, uh, I, think I can't have snacks in the house because 
I will eat them. I don't have that self-control. So I have to, the snacks I have to keep out of the house. Guilty pleasures. Look, I love uh, desserts. I love chocolate desserts. Tiramisu, uh, like a date chocolate sticky pudding. I will, like a, a, I had a chocolate creme brulee the other day. I've always got space for desserts, particularly if it's chocolatey. But yeah, no, that's probably like... Yeah, it's probably my guiltiest. I'm, I'm going to rumble you now. Yeah, yeah. I happen to know that you like Haribo's. Oh, is this true? do you? Is do this you? true? Look, I, like, <laughs> it is true. It is true. You put it on your Instagram oh, once yeah, years okay, yeah, ago, yeah, yeah, and I yeah, nearly yeah. fell off my chair. Well, look, look, this is this is why. This is a good point, actually, because when we're working in in medicine, the nurses station, you always have some wonderful patients that bring you know, lots of like cookies and stuff and tang fastics are always going on, like always something there. And so, yeah, I, I love them. I just, I, I can't help myself. He's real, everyone. I'm he's, real, yes, yeah, I'm he's real. Very, he's absolutely <laughs> real. It's fine. Uh, fried chicken. Do you eat fried yeah, chicken? Yeah, I do like fried chicken. It's the best kind of food. It's incredible. It's so good. So there's a couple of restaurants that do it very well. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say, but like the Good Egg in uh, in Kingly they Court. They do excellent they fried do a chicken. Really good one with that ZFC. Mm. I think it's called like the Zatar. You know what? I haven't been to yet. It's uh, I think it's called the Red Rooster in East London because I'm a West London guy. So getting to East London so far. But d there is meant to be a really good fried chicken place over there. And the other places I've been to that re do really good fried chicken are obviously in America. So like North Carolina. Um, one of my, my godsons live out there. Um, they used to live in Miami. There was a great place there. Uh, I think it was called Bird Yard. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one of my guilty pleasures for sure. Excellent. For We've sure. got three out of you now. I'm feeling quite proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. This is a high point yeah. in my podcast host career. Um, <laughs> I have a final question for you. Uh, you know, you've been doing this, you've been writing about this sort of food and the style of eating and living for a while now. And um, I just wondered if there was something that you'd seen or witnessed in this time that makes you optimistic about the future. Yeah, I, you know, I'm fr from my own perspective, I'm optimistic that a lot more primary care physicians, so GPs, um, nursing staff, specialists and, and pharmacy specialists and all, all the rest of those people who are really at the coalface of what we see with lifestyle related illnesses are getting involved in the conversation around food and food as medicine. Because yes, it's definitely one of the routes to pleasures, but it's also one of the things that is one of the most powerful tools that we have to prevent disease, prevent illness, prevent cardiovascular problems, dementia, that there are a whole plethora of conditions we can have a better impact on. And I think a lot more people are getting involved in that conversation and I'm really happy to see it. That sounds wonderful and it makes us all optimistic for the future. So thank you very much for joining me today, Rupi. That was really fun. My pleasure. Thank you.